1: Never too late. It is absolutely never too late to every day is a new opportunity. Mm. And believe me, I have had so many cards stacked against me, Clifton. Like the fact that I can say that, it, it tells you something because it is, it, again, going back to what we just started the conversation with, you know, listening to your heart. I think the reason why people get stuck and get into these situations where they're not happy or they're not fulfilled it's because they overthink it or they're doing it because society or family or somebody else wants them to do it. I mean, honestly, I just read, I'm going to say this and, and, you know, I wish I could remember the name of the uh, woman that posted it on LinkedIn, but this was like either, it was the day before yesterday, she just posted this video and it just, it, it hit my core because it was so simple. She said, Next time somebody is like judging you or telling you you can't do something or, or telling you or giving you advice about how you should be doing something or or you're feeling stuck in your mind, she's like, just tell yourself, that's not your story. That's mm-hmm. not your story.
0: Fit for sport, fit for life. NUMA Wellness and Spa offers mobile massage services. Gordon Walker Jr. specializes in deep tissue and sports massages. Massages range from 60 to 90 minutes. NUMA's hours of operations are Monday through Friday, 9.30 a.m. to 6 p.m. Happy hours are between 30 p.m and 5.30 p.m., Monday through Friday. During this time, clients receive massages at a discounted rate. Gordon also specializes in paraffin treatment, ear candling, mobile first aid, CPR, and AED classes, as well as mobile notary services. Coming soon, Zumba and yoga classes. For more information and to schedule an appointment, visit www dot numawellnessspa.com or email them at newmade7816 at gmail.com. Newmade is spelled P N E U M A D E or you can call them at 302 990 What's up, everybody? You are listening to the What Now Podcast, where we discuss ways of effectively addressing life's most difficult moments. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the What Now Podcast. That's right. The What Now Podcast where we discuss effective ways of facing life's most difficult moments. And if you remember, we have matured. Those moments are no longer defined as difficult. They are defined as defining moments. Why? Because we take back that right, the authority, and the responsibility to define the moments instead of allowing those moments To define us. My name is Clifton Patty John. I'm a purpose strategist, author, transformation coach, and spiritual leader. I provide tools and strategies to transition individuals from merely existing to living a life full of purpose, full of purpose. All right. For the sake of this podcast, you can call me Clifton. Tonight we have another amazing guest. I want you to sit back and enjoy this episode. your average employment law attorney. Her more than 15 years of experience advising clients, human resources personnel, and legal counsel regarding sound, standard employment practices uncovered a need and personal passion for bringing more proactive, relevant, and impactful workplace training programs to her clients and their team. Her highly experiential customized workshops tailored to executives, managers, and individual contributors brings the courtroom to the training room in an interactive, engaging environment that favors human stories over compliance checklists. Help me welcome Sagil Thacker to the show. Sagil, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Listen, we are excited for you to be here with us. Listening audience, if you knew <laughs> everything that we went through prior to recording this episode, you would understand how powerful this conversation is about to be, all right? (laughs) So we always start with an icebreaker question. And I think I'm going to start with my favorite of all icebreaker questions. And that question is, if you could have one superpower, what would that superpower be and why?
1: I like that question. I could have one superpower. You know what I would I, I I'm I wish I could because what I do on a daily basis is try to get people to go back to their core for the work that I'm doing. So if I could have a superpower, I'd like to take people just instantaneously back to the core of who they are so that we can start doing the work to kind of get rid of all of the stuff that's changed them from when they were a child and they started making judgments about people. If we can get them back to that innocent place, that would be amazing, amazing.
0: I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. And that kind of ties into another icebreaker question that I normally ask, I always ask if you could In one thing that's going on in the world right now, or change one thing that's going on in in the world right now with the push of a button, what would it be? And you took and tied both of those icebreaker questions into one. So I totally agree with you there.
1: Yeah.
0: Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was just going to say, yeah, I think that those both are, are such great questions and it's exactly you know, where we are right now, there's so much going on. And if we can get people back to before they started sort of, you know, differentiating people or thinking one is better than the other. And if we can get people back to that place, like, honestly, I think that's what we need. And it's it's starting to happen. But that's exactly what we need is for people to go back to that place.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And we're going to talk about that a little later because you hit something there. You're going to see throughout the conversation. I'm going to tell you when you hit trigger words in me, and you were talking about how we're starting to see those efforts. We're starting to see the country progressing in that manner. So we're going to get to that in a little bit. But before we do, I want to play a quick game of word association. So I have three words. I'm going to say one word at a time, and I want you to tell me the first thing that comes to mind when you hear this word, or hear the words. And I have three words. The first word is purpose. Heart. Mm. Okay, I'm writing these now because you know we'll eventually go back to them throughout the conversation. The second word is Unity. Family. Mm-hmm. And the third word is transformation. Growth. Art, family, growth. All three powerful things that are important components of life. So I want to talk first. When it, I, I'm trying to get away from it, but I can't get away from it. When I said purpose, you said heart. What makes heart come to your mind in relationship to purpose?
1: You know, I, I've i done a lot of sort of soul searching for me. and And just in my life, I've thought about why do I make the decisions I do? And it comes back to my heart. I absolutely lead with my heart. And there has been so many times where my mind has been telling me to do something totally different than what my heart is telling me to do. And for me, I follow my heart. And so my purpose is aligned with my heart In that I just, I, I I beat to that drum of my heart. You know, if something feels good, even that's going to give me purpose in my life. And I, I literally make my decisions based on that sort of analysis of how that is such a core value of mine and and it drives everything that I do.
0: Now, I want to go right from that as well because you talked about your heart and your mind sometimes wanting to do two different things. How did you come to a place where you allow your heart to override your mind and to lead you as it relates to purpose? Or is that something that is like an innate ability within you?
1: You know, I think it's both, to be honest with you, because at times I feel like it's an easy, okay, you know, um, situation. For example, like when my son was born, right? Before that, I was litigating cases in court, working around the clock. And as soon as he was born, I knew immediately that I wasn't going to do that anymore. Like I Mm -hmm. needed to be at home. So I left a six-figure job You know, I was working at a a big law firm and I said, I'm going to be at home with my son and I'll figure out how to get work while I'm at home with my son. So I, I quit, I stayed at home. I was lucky enough to find people to help me during that time. But that was an easy decision. Like, I didn't have to think about that at all. My Mm -hmm. mind went right along with it. Other times, you know, when it's like, for example, during COVID, you know, Prior to COVID, I was doing all kind of live in-person training, and then COVID came, and I lost 95% of my business, right? And Mm. so that's where the mind and the heart battled a lot, because I had to really sit down and think, do I want to continue doing my work, which is where my heart's at, which is where my passion's at, but I do it because I like to be in front of people, and that's really where I put all my eggs, or do I pivot? start doing it virtually and, and see if I could still make the same impact. So I had to sit down and literally make a list of pros and cons. And my heart was going one way. My mind was like, you need to pay your bills, you need money and all these other things. And and that's where it was a little bit tougher. And so I had to really, you know, figure out where, where's my heart going? Because I just know, and I've, I've lived long enough and had enough cards dealt against me to know that when I've made decisions based on my just, with my mind and not through my heart, I, it never worked out. I was never happy, mm. you know, and I've learned that it's, it's not something that was innate in, in certain situations. Right. So I think it just depends.
0: That's so true. Um, you brought up a, a um, about, you brought up about the pandemic and how, you know, you had to shift because that was hard for me as well. I am a in your face type of person. I love to present before people. So one of the things that I had to learn with the pandemic as well was you have to shift with this thing. And it's not that I didn't do webinars before, I did those before, but it was not the primary, you know, my my primary mode of communication or my primary mode of the workshops and the seminars and all of those things. So it was a big shift for me as well. So I definitely, Understand exactly what you're talking about in that shift. Now, before we go anywhere else, here's what I want to do I want to give you the opportunity to give us some background information about you. Let us hear your story. You can go back as far as you want to and lead us up to where you are right now.
1: Sure. You know, I, I, my parents came from India. Um, they moved here in 1974. And I was actually conceived in India, born in Chicago. So talk about being marginal. <laughs> Man. I, I I was born in that definition. But, um, you know, my parents, typical immigrant story, Clifton, They you know, they barely spoke English. They went to work right away. And so, you know, th- their sort of ideas of what parenting looked like Versus what I was exposed to being in the American culture was very different. Um, You know, I was expected to be one way and be part of the Indian culture, Indian food, Indian garb, you know, Indian traditions, speaking the language, watching the movies and all of that when I was at home. And then it was completely different when I was out of the home, when I was in the American culture. And. Now I was expected to be American as well. And it's such a different world, such a different viewpoints, perspectives. And for me, it was was right when I was young, I started noticing that, you know, differences were being used to divide people, not bring them together. Um, And and then I had a big problem with that. To make matters worse, we were the only Indian family growing up in an all-Italian neighborhood. So I went through and dealt with a lot of bullying, a lot of harassment, a lot of discrimination growing up, and by these other kids, right? And who were also, you know, I don't blame those kids. You know, they were they were a product of their own environment. You know, um, they lacked awareness. They were kids. Kids can be cruel. So I'm over that part of my life, but it definitely shaped me, you know, into the person that I am today. And then, you know, it was also going on at home. You know, there was sort of my parents, you know, um, there were. I just remember asking why a lot growing up. Uh, just why are why are why are you telling me not to go out in the sun because I'm going to get too dark? Or why do you, you know? So there was that kind of stuff going on at home. So I was always questioning everywhere I went. Like why why are you doing that? Or why does it matter if I'm this way or that way? And and, and always trying to fit in. And I always kind of grew, growing up. I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. Um, because it just you, you just always felt like an outsider no matter kind of whether you were at home or whether you were out of the home. So that, that was that was, you know, that was really hard growing up. And this was a different time back then. You know, we're talking about late seventies, early eighties. You know, there wasn't like a lot of support for where you can go if you wanted to talk to somebody about something like that. So, you know, I just kinda of dealt with it on my own and growing up that was that was hard. Um there's always a silver lining to things. And for me, what I'd say the silver lining for that, that situation growing up was, you know, I learned to to navigate pretty quickly through some tough situations. And I was able to fit in easier in different environments and different contexts and assimilate, you know. Um, and so that was all great, because then I could relate to a lot more people. And I'm not you know i'm not going to be the one that's going to get scared when i'm walking by you know a scary looking area cuz i i don't that those kind of things don't really aren't an issue for me because i've always fit into the environments cuz i had no choice i had to kind of do that
0: As a health and wellness coach, Gordon Walker Jr. assists his clients in losing weight, gaining weight, or just being fit. He also helps with meal plans. You can reach him at 302-990-8907 or you can visit the website at numa24.goherballife.com com that's Numa 24 at go com.
1: So that all of that was part of the reason why you know I, I've always been such an advocate for social justice. Um, I I decided very early on that I was going to go to law school. Um, You know, even my parents were like, yeah, she's definitely (laughs) going to go to law school because she asked way too many questions and they were right. So I went to law school and as soon as I finished law school, I moved out to California. And ever since then, I've been practicing employment law, representing, I initially was when I was, before my son was born, I was representing management And um, I was primarily dealt with harassment, discrimination type cases in court. And then after my son was born, I've been doing a lot of workplace investigations. And then three years ago, something happened. You know, I I just all of a sudden it was like, this is your passion, training people and educating people on what they should be doing, what they shouldn't be doing. And and, um, I just decided to go for it. And I, I started up my own company. And i and I really love what I do. You know, I get to talk about my experiences of what I've gone through and then also talk about it from what I've seen in the courtroom, and then also just kind of be able to use my storytelling as a way of teaching people some of this some of these things that have gotten lost along the way.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now, we're gonna hit some of these transitional moments of your life uh, because. Of course, the title of our show is "What Now?" And I was listening to some of those transitional moments of your life, and I know some of our listening audiences, a listening audience, are experiencing some of those moments themselves. And one of the things that I'm very big on is making sure that no one feels alone in those transitional moments, and that we do everything in our power through this uh, podcast to empower individuals with the information, tools, strategies, and techniques that they need to help during those transitional moments. So I want to go back to your childhood first. And you talked about uh, being bullied and uh, discriminated against and harassed. And then you talked about, you know, how that helped you though. It helped you along the way. How did you get through that, though? What was it that gave you strength, uh, if you can put language to it, to get through those moments in life and to motivate you to be who you are now?
1: Yeah, you know, I can I can literally go back to that moment um, when I had a decision to make. You know, like when I when I was growing up, you know, a lot of name calling, you know, because of the color of my skin and my parents had the accent. So kids would make fun of me because, Oh, your parents have the accent. They owned a convenience store, which was, it just happened to be right across from the elementary school. So all the kids were constantly running into my parents at the store, making, you know, trying to get steel candy, or whatever was going on. Right. But then I would be the one that would get to, they would take it out on at school. And so a lot of this stuff was going on. And then, you know, as I got a little bit older, it started hitting the home. You know, they were like TPing our house with toilet paper. They were throwing eggs at our house. And when it got to the, when it started hitting home, I started noticing, Clifton. I started noticing that I was, I was acting out. You know, I was getting very angry. I was, I was feeling a lot of rage at the time. I didn't understand why they were making fun of me or treating me this way when I had no choice in where I was born or what color I was or or, you know, any of the things that they were doing. It wasn't like I picked, you know, being brown and and coming from United, you know, coming to the United States. Like these were things that were outside of my control. And so I never really understood why I was being bullied for that reason. You know, and it it was just it was it was even harder because again, like I said, there was no one at the time that you could talk to. You know, I mean I was expected to go I mean, I threw myself into education to sort of you know, minimize or, or not think about what was going on. So I just, I, I dove right into the books from a very early on. Not only that, but it was expected that I do that. But I remember when it started hitting the house and when I started acting out, I just remember having that conversation with myself saying, I am not going to go down this path. If I go down this path, it'll be done. And literally, I decided I wasn't going to be a victim to it. And I, I wanted to help people see why that was hurtful. And And I also was able to see that those kids were just, again, a product of their own environment. And their conditioning was leading them to to look at me as some other, even though I was born here. You know, like I remember, like one kid saying, go back to your country. And I'm like, yeah, I am here. And this is my country. I was born here. But in their minds, because they saw me as a brown person, you know, like parents of the accent, they saw me as some other person that didn't belong here. And so I was able to see that other perspective fairly when I was young, you know, and, and, and it it didn't make sense to me. And so, but I made that choice because I remember like one instant we were in school and this must have been around seventh or eighth grade. It was like history class and they were teaching about India. And I just, I was the, the, you know, look this, I know you can relate to the situation. You know, we were the only, I was the only Indian Brown person in that class, right. Filled with white kids and Mm -hmm. talking about India and what they're doing is showing all the pictures of the slums like the only good thing they said about India was the, a picture of the Taj Mahal right but aside from that it was all slums and ghetto and poverty and all of the ugly parts of India and I'm sitting there in class having to deal with that situation you know and I mean I got so upset that I just got up and walked out because I'm like this is so unfair that you're having me sit here. Now these kids are going to be bullying me even more once I leave this classroom. And mm-hmm. so I just walked out and then guess what? I got suspended because I walked out. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, it's, it's these kinds of things when you experience this. And when I see other people experiencing that, it, it just, it doesn't work for me. It doesn't match up with where it should be. And so I'm constantly on the mission to, want to help people see that that's not what we want to put our kids through that's not what we want to put other people through but you know it's it's again it's it's conditioning it's a lot of it it's just what we're exposed to in our lifetime right? right and so yeah
0: I think that that's why I uh I'm very big on um sometimes the global perspective mm-hmm. and I'm very big on parents and Parents positioning themselves to be able to introduce their children to other cultures, and I feel like traveling is the best way. I know we can't travel a lot of places right now, but when we were open up, I opened up. I believe that traveling was the best way for it. You can read a lot about it, you can look at pictures, you can do all of those things, but until you experience it firsthand it gives you another appreciation of the culture or communicating with people that are from those cultures. I believe it gives you that appreciation there. And I like what you said, where you said, even at a young age, you were able to see it from their perspective. You were able to gain the understanding of, you know, this is their skewed perception of of this. This is what's being taught. And, you know, like you said, you, I can relate to that, you know, learning various versions of history and then growing up and learning more and more about history. And it's like, wait a minute, that's not what I was taught. So I like that. I like that you could see it from there. And even how you talk to yourself. And this is one of the things I really hope that this podcast gets across to everybody. You said that you use self-talk. I'm big on self-talk, positive self-talk, because you refuse to be the victim. You refuse to be the victim. And to me, that is one of the first steps in gaining freedom and victory in your life when you realize you are greater than being that victim. Yeah, 100% agree
1: with you. Absolutely. And, you know, I I, I agree with everything you just said, the traveling thing. Yes, definitely. And, and, you know, my when I was actually when you were saying that it just popped into my head, like I'd forgotten about this. And I don't think I've ever talked about this on any of my any of the other podcasts I've done. So here's something that no one else has heard me say yet. But, you know, when we were when I was in front when I was freshman. So this all continued till I was a freshman uh, in high school. And and I grew up with the same kids and went through all of that. And then, you know, in during my freshman freshman year in high school, my parents decided to move back to India. So they sold everything here and said we're moving back home. And so for a whole year, we moved back, and I lived in India for my freshman year. And so talk about identity crisis. <laughs>
0: like, wow. You know,
1: it was insane. I mean, I, you know, it was bad enough being here and going from one to the other, but then now throwing it into a whole different, you know, environment. I mean, I've gone back several times before that, but not lived there. Talk about mm-hmm. different food, different clothing, different styles, different language. I mean, over there, they were like making fun of me because they're like, you're not talking properly. You're talking slang to us because they talk proper British there. So I actually went to school there and was exposed to all of that for a year and then you know then it just we ended up moving back here at some point um but yeah that's where i realized that you know i saw so much there during that year where you know you're looking into the eyes of people that have seen like you could see through to their soul when you look into their eyes i mean that's the depth of what these people have gone through and when you when you travel to different places and you experience that, it connects you. And same thing when I went to South Africa. I went to South Africa and for one of my traveling gigs for a client out there in, in November of 2018. And same thing there. Like, you, 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 when you experience that, you know, and if you've experienced it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But when you experience that culture and that sort of their perspectives and the way they've lived their life, You, it's humility. It brings you so much humility that you connect with people at a whole different level. And then the other part that always gets me too is, like, I remember when when I went to South Africa. We went through this like area where it was like you know really poor, and they were kind. It was part of a tour that we did, you know. And so we went through it. And I mean, it all this always gets me. It happened in India too. It's happened to me in several different places that I've traveled to. But some of the most nicest people. I have ever met in my life. Like I'm like, I'm sitting there thinking, look, if anybody has a reason to be pissed off in li- at life right now, it's you, you have the green card to be pissed off. And yet you are the one of the most nicest, most amazing, like welcoming, friendly, like will give you their shirt off their back kind of people. You know, it's amazing.
0: They remind you of the simplicity of life. Yes. I, I feel like sometimes, I really think the pandemic has humbled us as a country because as a country, we are spoiled from having, uh, I call it a microwave mentality. We want something, we can go get it fast, quick, and in a hurry. Mm -hmm. Our internet speed. If we had to face some of the things and some of the challenges that people face in other countries, just from the internet speed, we would lose our mind because we have become so accustomed to high-speed internet. I often tell young men that I mentor, you don't even know what dial-up was, (laughs) you know? It didn't always process quickly for us like this, you know? (laughs) And, And even back then, having internet wasn't something that was, you know, accessible to a lot of people. So I, I believe that that's one of the things I went to the Bahamas last year. And one of the things that, that resonated with me over there, we went to some of the nicest parts of the Bahamas, but we also went to, you know, some, some of the places where you're like, what? you're this happy, you mm-hmm. know, because it's like, wow, you are so freely giving and so friendly and open the conversation and willing to help with this and willing to help with that. And I'm sitting they thinking, shouldn't you be asking us for help? But it's just mm-hmm. the simplicity of the fact they're just happy to be alive. But mm-hmm. I think sometimes that is lost sometimes over here, because like I said, everything is so accessible to us.
1: I think that's like, that's it. That's, you know, I thought about that. I've thought about this, this kind of issue before. And, A lot of it is that, but I think it's also just they've figured out and mastered the ability to just be present, to just Uh be present here because this is what we have, and we don't know how long we're going to be here. So enjoy what we have, and that is like such a wonderful. I mean, I learned that lesson too with my son. You know, because he he's when he's like there and he's with me, he's a hundred percent with me. I mean, nothing else matters to him in those moments, you know, and then when he's with his dad, it's the same exact thing. And so kids know that this, they want to enjoy the moment right then and there, hundred percent. I think it's the same thing that happens to people that have gone through it, you know, and they've gone through it and they don't have a lot is they realize I don't have much. Let me enjoy what I do have, you know, and frankly, we can all learn from that.
0: Absolutely. You hit a trigger word for me again, uh, or trigger phrase, be present. Uh, My father just passed last Sunday and my father and me, we didn't have the closest relationship at all. It was getting better. It was definitely getting better. But one of the things uh, as I was talking to my sisters and, and just family members, one of the things that really triggered inside of me was Cliff, sometimes you are physically here. But you are emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, you are somewhere else. And one of the, I just did a podcast where it said that this taught me to pause, breathe in, breathe out, and be present. Because that is so important. I, I'm i telling you, that is the lesson of all lessons for me for 2020 is Cliff, make sure that you are present. So I love that you brought that up because that is so important.
1: Sorry Sorry to hear about your father, Clifton.
0: Oh, thank you, thank you. So then the second transitional moment, uh, well, I don't know if it was a transitional moment, but it was a defining moment for you. you. You were talking about, I laughed when you said this, about how when you were younger, you knew you wanted to be to go into law because you like to ask a lot of questions. <laughs> but when was that moment for you uh, during your high school year that you dec- years that you decided, okay, I'm going to be a lawyer.
1: You know, it was even before that. It was I. Rem- it was when I was like, well, I always asked why because I was asking why outside the house a lot about why are they doing this, why are they making fun of me, what you know. And then I was doing the same thing at home because my parents were doing it at home too you know they were you know there was some anti-blackness going on at home and you know there was some bias at home against other people for whatever reasons and because they didn't grow up here you know and so they were being thrown into a this country was you know the foundation of the country was built on anti-blackness so that's what they came into with all of that I mean think about it back in the 70s can you even think about what we were seeing on TV, like late 70s, early 80s, when you saw stuff on TV, what were the kinds of things we were seeing? I mean, now when when I look back at some of the stuff I grew up watching, I'm like, wow, that violated so many different laws. And there was so, so much inappropriate things that was on TV back then versus now. But so that's what they were exposed to. So I was asking why a lot there. And I remember like this one incident where, you know, and it was shortly after this, I decided to go to law school, but one incident where my dad and I, we were in in our convenience store. And like I said, we were the only colored family living there. And so there was a black teenager that came in. So he wasn't from the town. He came in from outside. That's how, like how much you knew, you know, what was going on in your town back then. And um, this black teenager walked in the store and my dad turns to me and my dad goes, this is, you know, this is when I'm younger, right? So he turns to me, he's like, keep, Sigil, keep a close eye on him. And I was like, what? Why?
0: Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote and track your podcast your show can be online and listed in all the major platform directories like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over a 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. You'll get a great looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. So start your show today by using the link provided in the show notes. This lets Buzzsprout know we sent you and it gives you an opportunity to receive a $20 Amazon gift card as well as it helps support our show.
1: You know, and and he didn't have to say anything, but I knew what he meant when he did that, you know, and I said to him, I go, dad, that's, that's like, why are you saying that? That's, you know, you shouldn't be saying stuff like that. And I'll never forget what he said to me. He goes, what? You think I'm racist? He's like, how can I be a racist? Like I've dealt with discrimination. We do, you deal with discrimination every day. How can you be racist? And I'm like, that has nothing to do with it just because we're going through it. Doesn't mean that we can't be racist towards somebody else. And that moment was just, it struck out, stuck out for me. And then I started asking why even more? And it caused some like conflict in the house. But shortly after that, we were at dinner one time and my dad goes, she's going to go to law school. I just know it because she's, she's constantly debating me on all this stuff. And <laughs> I was like, yeah, okay, you're right. I am going to go to law school.
0: <laughs> awesome, awesome. Then you started practicing law but then you were blessed with the gift of your son. And you talked about how that even caused another transitional moment in your life because now you stopped practicing law uh, to the capacity that you were practicing it. How was that shift for you in your life?
1: You know what? It was, that was my sort of, I feel like that's when I came to life, when he was born. That's when he he breathed life into my soul at that point, because prior to that, I was always, you know, it's it's always saying the same thing. And I always like, you know, wanting to do it, but like, I hadn't figured out my path yet. And, um, when he was born, it was, it was just, like I said, that decision happened in a minute. Like, I didn't even think about it. It was a no brainer. It was just like, I knew what I had to do, you know, and my universe was him and, and everything I was have done since then is to really do what I can to give him a good world and and to make it a better world for him as he, you know, gets older and goes into work and so forth. And so I just, you know, I, I, I decided to work from home. I tried going back to work at some point because, you know, obviously in California, just to pay the bills. I'm like, okay, after he got, after three and a half years, I'm like, okay, I'll go back for a little bit. And I just couldn't do it. You know, I, I tried for two, two and a half years. And he was growing up so quickly. And so I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to start my own company because I don't want to miss out on these moments. And there's more that I could do with what I'm capable of doing than I was doing at that job. And I knew that I needed to help more people and just use my voice like I am right now to educate and raise awareness on issues that, again, are very important to me and my heart.
0: Awesome. Now I'm going to hit two things there because we're going to go right into the transitional moment where you started your company. But the first thing I wanted to to hit was you talked about uh, having your son. You said, I hadn't figured it out yet. I hadn't figured it out yet. Now, can you take one moment or, or take a moment to speak to somebody that's out there that feels as if they haven't figured it out yet but feels like it might just be too late for me to figure it out i just have to stay in this state and be stuck or stagnant and listen if you are stagnant shameless plug make sure you visit com forward slash transformation purchase my book from stagnation to transformation however how do you, what would you say to someone that feels, that not feels, or someone that is in that state right now?
1: It's never too late. It is absolutely never too late. to. Every day is a new opportunity. Mm. And believe me, I have had so many cards stacked against me, Clifton. Like, the fact that I can say that, it, it tells you something, because it is, Again, going back to what we just started the conversation with, you know, listening to your heart. I think the reason why people get stuck and get into these situations where they're not happy or they're not fulfilled is because they overthink it or they're doing it because society or family or somebody else wants them to do it. I mean, honestly, I just read, I'm going to say this, and, and, you know, I wish I could remember the name of the uh, woman that posted it on LinkedIn, but this was like either it was the day before yesterday, she just posted this video and it just, it, it hit my core because it was so simple. She said, next time somebody is like judging you or telling you, you can't do something or, or telling you, or giving you advice about how you should be doing something or, or you're feeling stuck in your mind. She's like, just tell yourself, that's not your story. That's mm-hmm. not your story. You know, you have to, at some point do what makes you feel good and not what everybody else wants you to do and I was stuck in that web for a long time where I was doing what my parents wanted me to do. You know, I even got married to like an Indian guy that looked great on paper and did all that I fell into that pressure because that's what they wanted me to do. You know, I, I, I mean, I've always sort of rebelled against it because I, I, I tend to lean more with my heart. So I, I didn't follow all of the pressures of the family, but you know, I, I found my way because I was always being pulled in that way, but it is never too late. It was, it's, it's like, I feel like people that are there, all they need to do is sit down and make a list of what you're capable of and believe it because sometimes we stop believing in ourselves.
0: Absolutely. 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 Now let's segue right into you starting your own business. And you said something that was a trigger phase for me. You just been hitting all kinds of triggers throughout this conversation. You said that you began to, uh, or you had an understanding that there was more in you that you were capable of doing than you were doing in your career. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about the more that you were capable of doing that led to you starting your business. And then I want you to talk about your business. I want you to tell everybody what it is that you do because I think it's just so powerful how you originally were bullied. Mm-hmm. And how you've taken all of that, the lessons you've learned from that, along with your education as well, and now you have I don't want to go into your business, I want you to share,
1: yeah, you know, look as an attorney, I got to see companies and and you know a lot of times good companies trying to do the best that they can to make their employees happy, but things ended up in court, right? I got to see good employees trying to get to work, but then they were either treated, you know, they were made to feel like they were invisible, they were discriminated against, they were bullied, and so that impacted their ability to do their job, and then now they're miserable, you know, and when I was working on these cases, it really, I really was like one of those people, I mean, I call myself two things, I've given myself two titles, right, one is the Chief Civility officer. Because what I saw with organizations, and I've done a lot of workplace investigations, so I got to see companies from like the nuts and bolts level. And what I saw was that they were focusing in on the wrong things, right? So here they are saying, okay, we're going to train our employees on sexual harassment. And I'm like, well, what about racial harassment? What about religion harassment? What about disability discrimination? There were all these other areas, but they weren't providing proper training on that or they were just doing whatever, checking a box, because that was the legal requirement. And so chief civility officer really kind of comes from, you know, helping organizations creating cultures centered around civility. So dignity and respect for all, you know. And so that's one of the areas where I'm like, this is where we need to be focusing our efforts on. And they weren't doing that. So that's a part of what I do. But then the other piece of that is, you know, as an attorney, like I said, a lot of these people were well-intentioned, but they were ending up in these situations. And when I started digging a little bit deeper into there, I, I was like, people, most of the time, we're an autopilot. We're making all kinds of decisions all day long. And it's based a lot, mostly on our unconscious bias or unconscious beliefs that we have. It's our brain is like, processes so much information that it dumps it into all these mental buckets. And then all of a sudden we make these assumptions about people based on pattern matching, pattern recognition. And so a lot of times the error rate is high, right? So somebody might be acting towards somebody else or making a a statement to them, not even knowing that they're doing that because it's coming out from their unconscious belief system. And so I felt like there was a huge gap in organizations and, and in just in general in life To educate people about how these unconscious biases or beliefs work, that there are tools that you can actually use to figure out what your own are. It's not a bad thing, it's normal, we all have it, but it's just really understanding what they are. Because once you understand that it's a part of our hardwiring, the good news is is once you understand it, you can actually there are some tricks or strategies, some um, practices, some systems that you can put in place to mitigate those biases so that you don't engage with people and judge them based on the color of their skin or whether they're abled or not, that you, you interact them with them because of the person that they are. So you take the time to get to know them. And so that became a huge passion for me because when I, like I said, when I was going through it as a child, I didn't blame those kids. But now that I learned about this, I realized that a lot of this stuff, some of it was very intentional. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. But a lot of it was based on unconscious bias or some kind of biases that they had because of what they were conditioned with, what they what they knew about. So that's where I was, what I was talking about was when I realized that I was capable of doing more because this was an area that I didn't even learn about in law school. So I'm sitting there thinking, wait a second. So lawyers are out there fighting and defending and, and arguing for people, just making you know decisions that impact people's lives haven't even been trained on unconscious bias, which is a majority of where we make our decisions. It impacts a lot of our decisions. That didn't make sense to me. And then you wonder, like, why is it that we're seeing all this discrimination and unfair treatment? Well, yeah, it's because they haven't been trained and educated on how to be aware of what these um, biases are and how it can impact their decision making. So all of that kind of comes together with what I'm doing now is I'm, tr- I'm working with all kinds of organizations and helping them train their employees on civility, helping them train them on unconscious bias. I talk about harassment, discrimination, bullying. These are all areas that are just very passionate to me and areas that I think, you know, if we knew more about it, then we can make sure that we make more rational decisions instead of just kind of treating or making judgments about people.
0: That's awesome because you even said, um, you know, we all have them. We just have to learn how to identify them mm-hmm. and then how we navigate, you know, through identifying those areas of our lives. And I think that what has happened is that we have taken having those as or uh, more or less uh, demonized them. Yes. You know, it's like, if you do, oh, you have to, oh no, I can't believe you had that, but I like right. the approach that you take because it makes us all self-aware and I'm big on self-awareness, Yes. uh, self-aware. And then we can begin, you know, to even better ourselves as we're working through those things. And I think that's needed, uh, in the work field and just in everyday life. I, Cause exactly. I always, I'm big on diversity. I'm huge. On diversity. But the sad part is, I haven't always been huge on diversity. I grew up in a traditional Christian household. So therefore, if you did not hold the same values as us, you were the devil. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was a mindset I carried while struggling with that mindset. I carried that for a while. Until I started to allow myself to communicate with more people. And the more I communicated with more people, I was like, wait a minute. I need that diversity in my life. Mm-hmm. That's helping me gain a greater understanding. So I love exactly what you are doing with your business. I love how you have taken what you experience. And this if you're out there listening, everything you've experienced, everything you've encountered Sometimes we look at the negative things that we've encountered and we want to run from those things. When many times that's the very thing that's connected to what we were called created and designed to do. So I encourage you, if you're out there, hear the story and connect with that inner superpower that you have. All right. So you transitioned to your own business, what were some of the challenges that you faced in the trans this transition, and what kept you going? What keeps you going, even facing some of the challenges that you may face today?
1: you know just like with any other person starting off their own business right? I mean it's scary. you don't have a regular paycheck. I live in the Bay area, I'm a single mom, right so I'm raising my son and I have bills to pay and so All of those fears were there. Um, You know, I'll tell you, I, in my life, Clifton, I have always been really good about telling myself that mantra, you know, over and over again, Sejal, focus on what you can control. Don't worry about everything else that you can't control. Because we spent so much of, I read it, I don't even remember the statistic, but it was like, we spend over 60% of our life worrying about things that we have no control over. And I think it was a TED talk, some TEDx talk that I watched where he said that, and he goes, we're not even here for that long. And so do you want to spend 60% of your life worrying about something? And so I've constantly, I've always told myself, even this is when I was younger, like, just focus on what you can worry about, you know, bring your 100% to the game, do your best, you're not going to win every single time, you know, and that's okay. But as long as you give it your all, and you know, and th- and that's just it. I bring a hundred percent effort to what I could do. And then I really do trust the universe. You know, I do. I-, 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 I feel like if you're doing good out there in the world, it's coming from your heart and you're out there trying to make this world a better place. You got to trust in the universe that it will take care of you. And I do, I have a solid trust in the universe, even when it's being thrown at me, you know, and things are not going my way. Even then I I I just keep bringing my 100% and trust in the universe. And that's what gets me from point A to point B.
0: Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to give you the opportunity to give everyone your social media handles, as well as your website and where they can find out about the trainings you offer, find out more about you, all of those great things.
1: Yeah, I would just I'm a, I you know I just deleted all of my other social media platforms. If you haven't seen the movie Social Dilemma, I strongly urge everybody listening to check that movie out. It's on Netflix. But after I watched it, it was all I needed to make some changes and so the only social media website I'm on right now is LinkedIn. And um absolutely, you know, connect or follow with me on LinkedIn because I, I, I share a lot of good information. I believe in sharing information, especially when there's so much garbage out there right now that good information. So whenever I get my hands on something that would be helpful for somebody on any of the areas that I talk about civility, um, respect in the workplace, you know, unconscious bias, leadership, a lot of leadership stuff. Whenever I see a good article, when I see a good handout or whatever, always sharing information on LinkedIn. And then the, um, the other way to get a hold of me would be through my website, www.trainextra.com. So that, those would be the two main ways to get in touch with me and learn more about what
0: I do. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, I can understand why we went through so much for this conversation. This has been an awesomely empowering and enlightening conversation. So I want to ask you one more question. And that question is, if everybody was to forget everything that you said over this last 45 minutes to an hour, what would be one thing that you would want them to remember from the conversation?
1: I would I would say, look, start with yourself, you know, make changes with yourself in understanding that. You know our brains work a certain way because of what we've been exposed to in our life. It's not anybody's fault. It's not about blame. It's not about shame. It's about just understanding that that's how we're wired. And so do the work to start understanding what your own unconscious beliefs are. And bias, it could be positive, it could be negative, but do the work to figure that out because That can improve your life significantly when you, it's a lifelong process, you know, take on the growth mindset, do the work. Because if enough people individually start learning about their own biases and take action to mitigate that, collectively, we can make huge, huge differences. And this is the time. Right now, we are at a tipping point. The more people that take on the responsibility, we're all going to have to do the work. Nobody gets a free ride, nobody gets a free pass. We all have to do the work to get out of this mess that we're in right now. And so start with yourself.
0: Thank you again for joining us on tonight. I wanna thank you for sharing so freely with our listening audience and leaving us with so much information that we can take and apply to our lives, especially about these biases That we have. I feel like if we can learn our biases, man, that is such an awesome place of growth for each and every one of us. And like you just said, no one, you know, can be left out from this. No one gets a free ride with this. We all have to begin to do that self-work inside of us. And I always say that when we begin to work on ourselves, that's the beginning of us creating a greater world. For our children, our nieces, our nephews, our families, and for ourselves as well. So thank you again, listening audience. Thank each and every one of you, because if it were not you, there'd be no need for this show. So I appreciate each of you. So I need you to text the word UNITY to 302-648-5544 again. Unity. Text the word Unity to three zero two six four eight five five four four. Why? Because that lets me know, number one, you listen to the entire podcast, and then number two, it gives you the opportunity to enter into our drawing at the end of the month. All right. Listen, I thank you all again. I appreciate each and every one of you. And as I always say, create a great day. Walk with purpose, and by all means, execute your vision. Peace. Many people define stagnation as not producing, and I understand that, but let me add a little weight to the definition of stagnation. Stagnation may be where you're not producing, but it also may be where you're producing at a level or in a dimension that's disrespectful to your purpose and your creation. I've written a tool that will assist you to number one, find out the areas that you have stagnation in. And then number two, it's going to give you some tools, strategies, and techniques to transition from stagnation to transformation. And that tool or that book is called (laughs) from stagnation to transformation. I want you to head over to my website right now. And I want you to download the preview of the book. After you download the preview of the book, read it. After you read it and you're hooked, I want you to come back to the website and I want you to purchase your copy of from stagnation to transformation. Why? Because I want you to make an investment in your now to produce a future that's connected to your purpose. So again, I want you to visit www.cliftonpettyjohn.com forward slash transformation. At the top, you're going to see a tab that says book preview, click it, download it, read it. Then I want you to come back and purchase your copy of From Stagnation to Transformation.